and that's it. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Especially the mothers. <laughs> Wouldn't be any mothers if there wasn't fathers, so. Anyway, uh, we have a benevolence offering after service. Be at the back door there when you leave. Looking for volunteers for VBS. Teachers, supposed to contact Pam Gardner or go to the VBS email at West Shore Community Church. I guess they've got all the, the houses set up that they're going to have, but they just need people to, to teach at those houses. The, I guess Scott can come up. Scott's going to fill us in a little bit of the interim pastor. Good morning, church family. So excited and honored to let you know that we do have an IPM minister who will come and serve us. Uh, we met with him. Uh, yeah, excited. So on behalf of uh, Tom DeMeyer, Jim Gardner, Scott Kingston, and myself, your elders, uh, we met with them um, on Zoom the other day. He's from Florida. He just finished his uh, um, serving. He was in Ohio this past weekend, and they brought their new pastor in, their pastor next. And um, he will be coming here for a candidacy weekend, June 3rd, 4th, 5th, and the 6th. So it'll be an opportunity for you as a church family to meet with him. And um, I would also say get out there and go on that web because he's out there. He's, he's got some teaching out there. Um, this is his calling, and I think he is the right fit for us. His name is Pastor Adam Wolfgang, W-O-L-F-G-A-N-G, Wolfgang. So great guy, excited about the opportunity, so we'll get you some more information um, for that weekend coming up soon. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. So we have another prayer that's been answered. Uh, we just thank the Lord for that. I got Ellis, too. Ellis is going to give a little two-minute talk. <laughs> all right, thank you guys for uh, letting me speak this Mother's Day. So I just uh, want to echo all that and say, again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the room and a uh, special happy Mother's Day to my mother in the room. I've got to take the opportunity while I'm up here, right? Uh, as well as my wife and mother-in-law who uh, have traveled up here from North Carolina for... Uh, Kristen and I's uh, wedding celebration uh, next weekend, which is in your bulletin. Uh, so if you guys are all uh, invited to come join us and celebrate with us there. Um, yeah, so that's uh, next weekend, Saturday. For more information, look in the bulletin there as well. Uh, so again, my name is Ellis. I serve with Reach Global Crisis Response as a missionary uh, currently in North Carolina, uh, serving from Hurricane Florence, which was three and a half years ago, helping people recover from that. A lot of people say, three and a half years ago, is there still stuff to do? But yes, uh, we're still very busy there, helping people uh, and spreading the gospel. We still have about 30 people or homes on our list uh, to, be work, uh, to be working in. Uh, so there's still plenty of work there, and we are one of our busier sites across the nation. Uh, so we are uh, a little bit short-staffed at our site in North Carolina, but yet are busy all the way through September currently right now. Uh, so uh, some prayer requests for, for myself and for our ministry in whole is, uh, one, to bring more staff. As I said, our site is, is short-staffed, uh, as well as our whole ministry is slightly short-staffed. So as we're looking towards this fall, uh, hurricane season, the potential of new sites opening, uh, we just, right now, it would be hard to find the staff from other sites to pull to do that. So uh, please, please, please join me in prayer for, for that, uh, 
as well as for our staff. Uh, right now there's only f uh, four and five of us on uh, in North Carolina. So uh, just a lot on our shoulders uh, for teams all the way through September. So please pray for that. Uh, personally, you can pray for myself and Kristen as uh, um, I take the new role of husband and, and father of our daughter and just uh, uh, trying to figure out all those routines and that new season of life for us uh, as well as continued uh, financial support uh, that I need to be able to stay on field and as, again, as, as we look towards what it looks like for the future for us and our family in the, in the ministry. So uh, thank you guys so much, all the individuals that support me uh, financially and spiritually as well as the church in a whole. So uh, thank you guys so much for, for everything. More information, there are some prayer cards and some information of mine out in the uh, welcome desk, as well as look for me between the services. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Ellis. I think I just about covered everything, but uh, except for my mother. I need to talk about my mother a little bit. My mother's been dead for a couple of years now. But uh, my mom raised uh, 11 kids, and she, she never seemed to enjoy her life. I mean, she was always busy, busy, busy. And uh, a very seldom saw her smile, very seldom saw her laugh. She was always working, working, working. Uh, I remember telling her story when uh, my dad got drafted in 1940, into 1944, into that. Went out to basic training in Fort Lewis, and she moved out there with her two kids. One was a couple months old. Uh, my sister slept in a drawer, dresser drawer. My brother was about two, so he was running around, but uh, they came back, had a bunch of more kids, had a couple of deaths in the family, had a 15-month-old uh, brother die of cancer, had a two-and-a-half-year-old sister die of a car wreck, and she was just, didn't seem real happy all the time. I hope that the mothers that are here just enjoy their kids, enjoy their life. Uh, it's, you don't have to be working, working, working. Uh, I think most of the younger women, they know how to enjoy life, ones I've met anyway. I know Kate tries to teach the ones that she works with here, uh, just enjoy what you have today. And uh, I also have a message from Kate. Any of the women that volunteered to do something for next Saturday's party, Kate's going to meet with them uh, in the library between the services. So if you can get together with her and find out what she wants to be done. Anyway. I'm looking forward to Pastor Al's party next week. It's uh, just been a real pleasure and a, a, a blessing to have Al here for so long. And I saw him the other day. He's a junk collector, kind of like he had this broken down canoe that's down the road. He says, what do you think we can fix that? I said, I don't know. Let me go get the canoe, bring this house, and I'll have to go fiberglass it up for him. But he's just kind of a <laughs> That's what he does for a living, you know, a junk collector. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, life is good. Enjoy it. I should come forward. John. John. It's not. It's 130. The service starts at 130. Next week. Next week. 130. Saturday. 130. Saturday. 130. Party starts at 1.30. <laughs> All the guys are going to help me set up chairs and tables and stuff like that. Nine, our party starts at 9 a.m. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, praise you, Father God. God, we first of all lift up uh, Ellis and his mission work that he's doing. We thank you that uh, he's part of the feet that leave from this community of believers to to do your work, Father. We also lift up the Reese's. They've always uh, 
been serving you, Father, for many, many years now. We thank you for blessing them, keeping them alive, keeping them safe, keeping them financially uh, supported. And again, Father, we pray that their work is uh, continued for the next 10 years, Father, or more. So, Father, uh, use our tithes and offerings to bless you, to support these missionaries that we send out. And, Father, may uh, everything be to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father God, we come before you this morning, thankful to the very depth of the marrow of our bones for our mothers, those women who gave up so much to give us so much, who saved for themselves so little that we might have much. Thank you, Father, for our mothers. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the leaders, men who are willing to give of their time and their efforts, their intellect, in order to accomplish your purposes, your will here in this community. I thank you for the song leaders, the worship leaders. Father, anoint their ministry, guide and direct in their lives, and use them mightily to accomplish your purposes. We give you this hour, this morning, this time. It is yours. We give of ourselves to you and ask for your Holy Spirit to anoint to use us, and to accomplish your purposes. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Before I start preaching this morning, I'd like to take a little bit of a survey, if, I, if I'm allowed to do that. I haven't seen anybody shake their head, no, so I'm going with it. Um, I would like to know who is the oldest mother who is here this morning. So do we have anybody in the 100-year range? Nobody's 100 years old. All right, let's get down to the 95 age. Anybody in 95 age? You're, you are 95. 94. Well, that's awful close to 95. And introduce yourself to us. Is this on? Okay. I know that uh, some of the folks have seen you, but I'm new here, so I don't know who you are. Marie Gassett. Marie Gassett. And I lived in, in um, Oklahoma. Richford. I live in Richford. Okay. Okay. We are so happy you're here with us this morning. God bless you. 94 years old. Who would be the youngest mother? Who has the youngest baby? Anybody less than... A month? Right here. Okay. Uh, Mom? <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's occupied, I'm told. <laughs> but uh, one baby. Now, should I go with the youngest age-wise? Is anybody under 20 that's a mother today? Nobody. Anybody under 25 that's a mother here today? We're all old people. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, I am Aidan Crandall, and welcome to you who are at home worshiping with us this morning. I would tell you, happy Mother's Day. And God bless all of you who are mothers. And to you men, young guys, happy Mother's Day. Everybody seems so embarrassed when I say happy Mother's Day to them when they're not a mother. And the only other option is a sad Mother's Day. <laughs> you know, whether, whether you're a mother or not, there's, there's two options. Happy Mother's Day, sad Mother's Day. I wish you all a happy Mother's Day. God bless you. Uh, in uh, the book of Genesis this morning, we're going to start early in the Bible. Uh, chapter 3 is where I want to read to you from. I'll find it here in a moment. It's in chapter 3 and verse 20, if you have your Bibles open. Um, it says there, Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Um, she was the first mother. She was created by God. And as the first mother, she was the mother of all mankind. Think about it. All of us have derived from Eve. Not immediately, because we're talking 6,000 years, thereabouts. But uh, we have derived from Eve. Only one person in all of mankind's history was not mothered by Eve, and that was Adam, her husband. Adam, of course, created by God. I want us to look at Eve this morning for a few moments, if you'll uh, spend that time with me. Her status in history, her role in history, her name, as you know, is only mentioned four times in the Bible. Uh, there in chapter 3 and verse 20, and then in chapter 4, we find it again, and then twice in the New Testament. That's the only time Eve is mentioned by name. Um, and yet, she is so important because of who she was determines who we are. Think about that. Is this the mom that has the new baby? <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, youngest mother. <laughs> with us today. <laughs> the Bible has no information as to what Eve looked like, but I have a hunch she was probably the most beautiful woman ever. Bo Derek, you don't have anything on Eve. Uh, some more of the people from my generation would be I have a bad memory. It doesn't make any difference. None of them have anything to do, anything to say over the looks of Eve. You see, God made everything perfectly. So when he took that rib from Adam and he fashioned it and he formed it and he built it into a woman, he made that woman perfect. Perfect in her looks perfect in her intelligence, perfect in her spirit, 
perfect in uh, every way. She was perfect. We aren't told much about her. We don't know how many children she had. We don't know how long she lived. Adam lived 950 years. Did she live 949? It doesn't say. She might have died at 100. It doesn't say. We don't know where and how she died. Some of the other people of the scriptures, it tells us, but not Eve. So let's dig right into the scripture, and we do know that she was created by God. So in Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Think about it. Adam was made from dirt. God took the dust of the earth and said, let there be man. Made man in his image. And then he took a rib from Adam. And when he took that rib, he says, I can perfect on what I made out of the dirt. <laughs> and he made it into a woman. Ladies, we love you. <laughs> Just like Adam loved Eve. This is bone of my bones, he said. Flesh of my flesh. She is part of me. I am part of her. Together we are one. We have been unified by God. into one being, one person, one entity, husband and wife. See, God performed the first surgery. Her surgical procedure, if you will, on his crowning creation to provide a helper and a companion for Adam, even though Adam didn't know he needed it. How good is God's grace? Adam was busy naming the cattle and naming the, the lions and, and the dogs and the elephants and the rhinoceroses. I often wonder where he got some of the names. And then Scientists have put Latin names to them, and you might as well forget it. They, they mention the name of, of the creature, and you say, I have no idea what you're talking about. I like Adam's names better. So God's grace was there with Adam, because Adam didn't know he needed help. Adam wasn't aware that there would be a, a companion for him. Someone that would suit his personality, someone that would suit his needs, someone that would fulfill his emptiness. See, God's grace comes to us beginning with Adam. 
I didn't know I had that power. <laughs> God's grace comes to us when we're not aware we need it even. God's grace comes to fulfill his will and his passion in our lives. Adam lost a rib, but he gained a loving companion created especially for him by the giver of every good and perfect gift. Can you imagine waking up and God bringing this creature that you've never seen before, that never existed before, and says, here, Adam, here's your wife. Take care of her. Love her. Provide for her. Be her strength. Be her, her protection. I'm thinking Adam must have been overawed by this creature that God brought to him and said, she is yours. Treat her well. He was overawed to the point where he said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. We are one together. It speaks to me when he said that, God building that mate. God providing, fashioning her for Adam on an equal plane with him, of the same essence as him, a spiritual counterpart, an intellectual co-equal. God didn't make her dumb. God didn't make her inadequate. God made her perfect for Adam. We need to look at marriage that way, guys and ladies. God presents a man with a woman that they would become one flesh, a union physically, a union spiritually, and a union emotionally and intellectually, a divinely designed completion. She makes up for our lack. That's marriage. Matthew Henry described it this way. I'm sure some of you have heard at least part of this. The woman was made out of was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be loved. Men. That's the ideal for you and for me. Now, we realize sometimes we mess it up. Just a little bit here and there. Sometimes more than a little bit. But God says, this is the woman I gave you. This is the man I provided for you. Remain steadfast. God's plan remains steadfast for us. Let us remain steadfast in his plan. Scripture tells us, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It hasn't changed one bit over the last 6,000 years. 
His plan then is his plan today. We should be one. Now, relate to this maybe in another way. God is a trinity. The Father is the head of the trinity. Jesus, the Son, is the spoken word of the trinity. The Holy Spirit is the breath of power, and they are one. The trinity is one. The Jewish statement of faith was, the Lord our God is one. Each is a person of the Trinity. Jesus said, my father and I are one. And so when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane facing a most horrible, horrible form of death, he said, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And he went to the cross. He suffered the agony of hanging by the nails through his hands for you and for me. He was submissive to the Father. The marriage relationship is made of two individuals who join into oneness and join into unity to fulfill God's design and his will. And it's our obligation as his humanity to work on that day by day to see that his will remains uppermost and foremost in our lives. We owe it to God to fulfill his plan. I want you to understand that. Get it through that, which sometimes is called the thick skull. Sometimes it takes a lot to get stuff through mine. But we need to get it. We owe it to God to fulfill his plan for man and woman. Now, we've all read about Eve's temptation and her fall. We know how the serpent, which the book of Revelation says is Satan, the serpent deceived Eve when she was not in the company of Adam and evidently close to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He told her half-truths. I'm not going to read what he, he said to her, but uh, he told her half-truths, and then he graduated from half-truth to outright lies, falsehoods, and he got her to eat from that tree which was forbidden by God. And then she enticed Adam to eat it also. And we who are men say, ha ha, it was a woman who sinned first, it wasn't Adam. But let me, let me get you thinking about this a little bit. God told Adam, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't say he told it to Eve, but he did give Eve to him as his woman to protect and to provide for and supply her needs. And so when Adam ate, when he consented to eat, he sinned against God. He sinned as your representative and my representative against God. And he caused the sin nature to abide in every single one of us. We're born with that sin nature. You think about the tiny baby. 
and, and how that child is so innocent and so pure and so wonderful. About two to three months, maybe even before then, that child starts saying, I want my way. And if you don't feed that child at exactly the moment it says, I'm hungry, he, he or she lets you know about it. I can remember our son uh, when, when he was just a baby. He would start crying, needing to have food. And we'd give him the bottle and he'd cry while he was sucking on the bottle. And so we got to the place where we'd make a big X in the, the end of the nipple so that when he sucked on it, he could get more at a time. He'd still cry. So we cut the end of the nipple off and just dumped it in him. <laughs> and that kid could eat. But then I guess I'm not guilty. I mean, I'm not innocent of that either. Adam made us guilty from the time we're babies on because of that sin nature. And we didn't just inherit the sin nature, but we acted upon its impulses and its direction and its guidance. Our sin proves our complicity with Adam in rebellion against God. We are guilty on both fronts, the sin nature that abides in us, and we are guilty of the fact that we have committed actions that are against God and against what he wants from us. Not just some of us, all of us have been guilty and sometimes still are guilty of sinning against God. And then we, we read in Scripture, and I do want to read here in Genesis chapter 3, uh, how God dealt with sin. He, he sealed a curse upon all three individuals that are involved here. And the curse went on beyond that. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, he says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. That verse I, I want to talk about a little bit here. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. I want to start with those curses, and Adam's curse would be first. It applied not only to Adam, but to the entire human race. Think about it. We must understand it. It included the loss of paradise. He had to leave Eden, uh, the Garden of Eden because of it. It also included the sudden change in all of nature. 
meant sweat for him. It meant thistles growing where he would plant his, his crop of food. It meant thorns to grow up in places where, uh, where he wanted something good to be growing. And ultimately, of course, it meant death for him. But that curse also included Eve in it. And so she was under that umbrella of Adam's curse. She would be under the same conditions. But her curse added to it the uh, related to childbirth pain and sorrow. And oftentimes there is sorrow in raising children. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> My daughter's here in the church this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before Adam sinned, his leadership over Eve was perfectly wise, loving, tender. But sin changed that. And his tendency would be to suppress her in a harsh or domineering way. And her tendency would be to chafe under his headship and try to gain uh, dominance over him. And so that's what that uh, verse means, I believe, uh, where, uh, I'll have to turn back to it here, where God said, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. He was saying, you're going to try to have dominance over your husband, but I'm not designed it that way. He's going to be harsh and, and critical and sometimes not very loving. I didn't design it that way. But the curse makes it that way. And then, of course, there's God's curse on the serpent, which was the most severe of all. It would crawl on its belly, forging for food in the dust for the rest of history with, with humanity loathing it and fearing it. I don't know if the serpent had legs that it walked on before this point. But God said, you're going to crawl on your belly in the dust from here on out, eating the dust, not being able to get out of the dust. Even the ground was cursed. And the animals would live in a decaying and dying world, subject to disease. Destruction, disaster, and death. It was a grim scene all around. Depressing, all because Adam chose to disobey God's one prohibition. See what disobedience accomplishes? See what not doing what you're told brings about? It brings about disease, disaster, destruction, and death. It is ugly. Let's determine to be an obedient people, shall we? Somewhere here, I've got the last page. If I can get my fingers to work, I'll get it. There's one important aspect that I haven't covered yet, found in verse 15. God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this is important because 
when God said, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed, he was actually saying, Eve, you're going to have a baby. More than one, of course. She would bear children. It also meant that Satan would be defeated by the seed of Eve crushing his head. A mother generally is very observant when someone is uh, threatening her children. Generally very quick to understand that threat and to protect them. So when Eve heard that one of her seed would crush the serpent's head, it had to bring into her chest that, and, and her brain the, the joy. Not only am I going to have children, but one of my child's children are going to crush the head of the one who caused all this pain and agony and sorrow in humanity. It meant also that the human race would not have to be hopelessly subordinated to the evil one's domination forever. Eve had unleashed Satan's evil, but one of her offspring would bring it to an end. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, finally the one who would crush Satan's head was brought into humanity. The prophecy and the promise of God back in the Garden of Eden was finally accomplished. Satan bruised his heel at Calvary, but the victory of Jesus over death and over the grave was a crushing blow to Satan, to sin, and to death. And I say, hallelujah, glory to God. We have Jesus as our Savior. We need to believe on him. We need to accept him into our heart and our life. We need to allow his spirit to guide us along life's pathway and physically and spiritually enable us to accomplish God's will in our life. I'm asking you, would you do that today? Would you let Jesus into your heart if you haven't already done it? It's so important for your stability, for your protection, and for your success in life as a human person. Pray with me. Open up your heart to him and your life to him now. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we come this morning hearing that we are sinners. From before birth, the sin nature is in us. We have all done wrong. We've all come short of your honor, your glory, your plan. And so we ask you, forgive us for that. We accept your only begotten son, Jesus, to be our savior. And we come to you faithfully now saying, I will follow you all the days of my life. We give you honor and praise, and we thank you for saving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.